Section 30 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Xuqing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie. Chapter 40, Part 1. The Venerable Lady Xi attends a second banquet in the garden of Broad Vista. Jing Yuanyang three times promulgates by means of dominoes the order to quote passages from old writers. As soon as Bao Yu, we will now explain, heard what the lad told him, he rushed with eagerness inside. When he came to look about him, he discovered Wu Po standing in front of the screen. Be quick and go, she urged. They are waiting to speak to you. Pao Yu went his way into the drawing rooms. Here he found Dowager Lady Jia consulting with Madame Wang and the whole body of young ladies about the return feast to be given to Xi Chengyuan. I've got a plan to suggest, he consequently interposed, as there are to be no outside guests. The eatables, too, should not be limited to any kind or number. A few of such dishes as have ever been to the liking of any of us should be fixed upon and prepared for the occasion. Neither should any banquet be spread, but a high teapoy can be placed in front of each, with one or two things to suit our particular tastes. Besides, a painter box with partitions and a decanter, won't this be an original way? Capital, shouted old Lady Jia. Go and tell the people in the cookhouse she forthwith ordered a servant to get ready tomorrow such dishes as we relish, and to put them in as many boxes as there will be people and bring them over. We can have breakfast too in the garden. But while they were deliberating, the time came to light the lamps. Nothing of any note transpired the whole night. The next day, they got up at early dawn. The weather, fortunately, was beautifully clear. Li Wen turned out of bed at daybreak. She was engaged in watching the old matrons and serving girls sweeping the fallen leaves, rubbing the tables and chairs, and preparing the tea and wine vessels, when she perceived Feng Er usher in old Goody Liu and Bang Er. You're very busy, our senior lady, they said. I told you that you wouldn't manage to start yesterday, Li Wen smiled. But you were in a hurry to get away. Your worthy old lady, Goody Liu replied laughingly, wouldn't let me go. She wanted me to enjoy myself too for a day before I went. Feng Er then produced several large and small keys. Our mistress, Lian says, she remarked, that she fears that the high teapoys which are out are not enough, and she thinks it would be as well to open the loft and take out those that are put away and use them for a day. Our lady should really have come and seen to it in person, but as she has something to tell Madame Wang, she begs your ladyship to open the place and get a few servants to bring them out. Li Wen there and then told Xu Yuan to take the keys. She also bade a matron go out and call a few servant boys 
from those on duty at the second gate. When they came, Li Wen remained in the lower story of a dark one loft, and looking up, she ordered the servants to go and open the Zhui Jin Hall and to bring the teapots one by one. The young servant lads, matrons, and servant maids then set to work in the body and carried them over twenty of them. Be careful with them, shouted Li Wen. Don't be bustling about just as if you were being pursued by ghosts. Mind you, don't break the tenants. Turning her head round, old dame, she observed, addressing herself smilingly to Goody Liu, go upstairs too and have a look. Old Goody Liu was longing to satisfy her curiosity, so as the bare mention of the permission, she uttered just one word, come, and dragging Barner along, she trudged up the stairs. On her arrival inside, she espied pile upon pile a whole heap of screens, tables, and chairs, painted lanterns of different sizes and other similar articles. She could not, it is true, make out the use of the various things, but at the sight of so many colors, of such finery, and of the unusual beauty of each article, she muttered time after time the name of Buddha, and then forthwith wended her way downstairs. Subsequently, the servants locked the doors and every one of them came down. I fancy, cried Li Wen, that our Daoja lady will feel disposed to go on the water. So you'd better also get the poles, oars and awnings for the boats and keep them in readiness. The servants expressed their obedience. Once more, they unlocked the doors and carried down everything required. She then bade the lad notify the boat women, go to the dock, and punt out two boats. But while all this bustle was going on, they discovered that Daoja Lady Jia had already arrived at the head of a whole company of people. Li Wen promptly went up to greet them. Dear Venerable Senior, she smiled, you must be in good spirits to have come in here. Imagining that you hadn't as yet combed your hair, I just plucked a few chrysanthemums, meaning to send them to you. While she spoke, Bi Yue at once presented to her a jadeite tray, of the size of a lotus leaf containing twigs cut from every species of chrysanthemum. Only the jar selected a cluster of deep red and pinned it in her hair about her temples. But turning round, she noticed old Goody Liu. Come over here, she vehemently cried with a smile, and put on a few flowers. Scarcely was this remark concluded than Lady Feng dragged Goody Liu forward. Let me deck you up, she laughed. With these words, she seized a whole plate full of flowers and stuck them three this way, four that way, all over her head. Only the jar and the whole party were greatly amused, so much so that they could not check themselves. I wonder, shouted Goody Liu, smiling, what blessings I have brought upon my head that such honors are conferred upon it today. Don't you yet pull them away, they all laughed, and chuck them in her face. She has got you up in such a way as to make a regular old elf of you. I am an old hag, I admit, Goody Liu pursued with a laugh, but when I was young, 
I too was pretty and fond of flowers and powder, but the best thing I can do now is to keep to such fineries as befit my advanced age. While they bended woods, they reached the Qingfeng Pavilion. The waiting maids brought a large embroidered rug and spread it over the planks of the divan near the balustrade. On this rug, Haoja Lady Jia sat with her back leaning against the railing and inviting Gudi Liu to also take a seat next to her. Is this garden nice or not? she asked her. O Gudi Liu invoked Buddha several times. We country people, she rejoined, do invariably come at the close of each year into the city and buy pictures and seek them about. And frequently do we find ourselves in our leisure moments wondering how we too could manage to get into the pictures and walk about the scenes they represent. I presumed that those pictures were purely and simply fictitious. For how could there be any such places in reality? But contrary to my expectations, I found as soon as I entered this garden today and had a look about it, that it was, after all, a hundred times better than these very pictures. But if only I could get someone to make me a sketch of this garden to take home with me and let them see it, so that when we die, we may have reaped some benefits. Upon catching the wish she expressed, Dr. Lady Jia pointed at Si Chun. Look at that young granddaughter of mine, she smiled. She's got the knack of drawing. So what do you say to my asking her tomorrow to make a picture for you? This suggestion filled Gudin Liu with enthusiasm and speedily crossing over, she clasped Si Chuan's in her arms. My dear miss, she cried, so young in years and yet so pretty, and so accomplished too. Mayn't you be a spirit come to life? After old Lady Jar had had a little rest, she in person took Guti Liu and showed her everything there was to be seen. First, they visited the Xiao Xiang Lodge. The moment they stepped into the entrance, a narrow avenue, flanked on either side with kingfisher-like green bamboos, met their gaze. The earth below was turfed all over with moss. In the center extended a tortuous road paved with pebbles. Goody Liu left Daoja Lady Jia and the party walk on the raised road while she herself stepped on the earth. But Wu Po tugged at her. Come up, old dame, and walk here, she exclaimed. Mind the fresh moss is slippery and you might fall. I don't mind it, answered Goody Liu. We people are accustomed to walking on such slippery things. So, young ladies, please proceed and to look after your embroidered shoes. Don't splash them with mud. But while bent upon talking with those who kept on the raised road, she unawares reached a spot which was actually slippery, and with a sound of kutong, she tumbled over. The whole company clapped their hands and laughed boisterously. You young wenches, shouted out Daoja Lady Jia, don't you yet raise her up, but stand by giggling? This reprimand was still being uttered when Kudi Liu had already crawled up. She too was highly amused. Just as my mouth was bragging, she observed, I got a whack on the lips. Have you perchance twisted your waist 
inquired old lady Ja. Tell the servant girls to pet it for you. What an idea, retorted Goody Liu. Am I so delicate? What date ever goes by without my tumbling down a couple of times? And if I had to be petted every time, wouldn't it be dreadful? Ji Zhuan had at an early period raised a speckled bamboo portier. Dowager Lady Jia and her companions entered and seated themselves. Lin Dai Yu, with her own hands, took a small tray and came to present a covered cup of tea to her grandmother. We won't have any tea, Madame Wang interposed. So, Miss, you needn't pour any. Lin Dai Yu, hearing this, bade the waiting maid fetch the chair from under the window where she herself often sat. And moving it to the lower side, she pressed Madame Wang into it. But Goody Liu caught sight of the pencils and ink slabs lying on a table placed next to the window, and espied the bookcase piled up to the utmost with books. This must surely, the old dame ejaculated, be some young gentleman's study. This is the room of this granddaughter-in-law of mine, Dowager Lady Jia explained, smilingly pointing to Dai Yu. Goody Liu scrutinized Lin Dai Yu with intentness for a while. Is this anything like a young lady's private room? She then observed with a smile. Why, in very deed, it's superior to any first-class library. How is it I don't see Bao Yu? His grandmother Jia went on to inquire. He's in the boat, on the pond. The waiting maids, with one voice, returned for answer. Who also got the boats ready? Old Lady Jia asked. The loft was open just now, so they were taken out, Li Wen said, and as I thought that you might, venerable senior, feel inclined to have a row, I got everything ready. After listening to this explanation, Dowager Lady Jia was about to pass some remark, but someone came and reported to her that Mrs. Sher had arrived. No sooner had old Lady Jia and the others sprung to their feet than they noticed that Mrs. Sher had already made her appearance. While taking a seat, Your venerable ladyship, she smiled, must be in capital spirits today to have come at this early hour. It's only this very minute that I proposed that anyone who came late should be fined. Dowager Lady Jia laughed, and who'd have thought it? Here you, Mrs. Chair, arrive late. After they had indulged in good-humoured raillery for a time, Lady Jia's attention was attracted by the faded color of the gauze on the windows, and she addressed herself to Madame Wang. This gauze, she said, may have been nice enough when it was newly pasted, but after a time nothing remained of Kingfisher Green. In this court, too, there are no peach or apricot trees, and these bamboos already are green in themselves. So with this shade of green gauze, to be put up again, it would, instead of improving matters, not harmonize with the surroundings. I remember that we had at one time four or five kinds of colored gauzes for sticking on windows. So give her some tomorrow to change that on there. When I opened the store yesterday, hastily put in Lady Fong, I noticed that there were still in those boxes, made of large planks, several rows of cicada wing gauze, of silvery red color. 
There were also several rows with designs of twigs of flowers of every kind, several with the rolling clouds and beds pattern, and several with figures representing hundreds of butterflies interspersed among flowers. The colors of all these were fresh and the gods supple, but I failed to see anything of the kind you speak of, where two rows taken from those I referred to and a couple of bed covers of embroidered gauze made out of them, they would, I fancy, be a pretty sight. Pay, laughed old lady Cha. Everyone says that there's nothing you haven't gone through, and nothing you haven't seen. And don't you even know what this gauze is? Will you again brag by and by after this? Mrs. Cher and all the others smiled. She may have gone through a good deal, they remarked. But how can she ever presume to pit herself against an old lady like you? So why don't you, venerable senior, tell her what it is so that we too may be edified? Lady Feng too gave a smile. My dear ancestor, she pleaded, do tell me what it is like. Dowager Lady Jia thereupon proceeded to enlighten Mrs. Sher and the whole company. That course is older in years than any one of you, she said. It isn't, therefore, to be wondered if you make a mistake and take it for cicada-winged gauze. But it really bears some resemblance to it, so much so indeed that anyone not knowing the difference would imagine it to be the cicada-winged gauze. Its true name, however, is Soft Smoke Silk. This is also a nice-sounding name, Lady Feng agreed, but up to the age I've reached, I've never heard of any such designation. In spite of the many hundreds of specimens of gauzes and silks I've seen. How long can you have lived? Olitija added smilingly. And how many kinds of things can you have met that you indulge in this tall talk? Of this soft smoke silk, there only exist four kinds of colors. The one is red-blue, the other is rosette, the other pine-green, the other silvery red, and it's because when made into curtains or stuck on window frames, it looks from far like smoke or mist that it is called soft smoke silk. The silvery red is also called rosette shadow gauze. Among the gauzes used in the present day, in the palace above, there are none so supple and rich, light and closely woven as this. Not to speak of that girl phone not having seen it, Mrs. Sher laughed. Why, even I have never so much as heard anything of it. While the conversation proceeded in this strain, Lady Feng soon directed a servant to fetch a roll. Now, isn't this the kind? Dowager Lady Jia exclaimed. At first, we simply had it stuck on the window frames, but we subsequently used it for covers and curtains, just for a trial, and really, they were splendid. So you had better tomorrow try and find several rows and take some of the silvery red one and have it fixed on the windows for her. While Lady Feng promised to attend to her commission, the party scrutinized it and unanimously extolled it with effusion. Ogudi Liu too strained her eyes and examined it, and her lips incessantly muttered Buddha's name. We couldn't, she ventured, afford to make clothes of such stuff, much though we may long to do so. 
and won't it be a pity to use it for sticking on windows? But it doesn't, after all, look well when made into clothes, Holy Dijar explained. Lady Feng hastily pulled out the lapel of the deep red brocaded gauze jacket she had on, and facing Dowager Lady Jar and Mrs. Shea, Look at this jacket of mine, she remarked. This is also of first-rate quality. Old Lady Jar and Mrs. Shea rejoined, This is nowadays made in the palace for imperial use, but it can't possibly come up to this. It's such thin stuff, Lady Feng observed. And do you still say that it was made in the palace for imperial use? Why? It doesn't, in fact, compare favorably with even this, which is worn by officials. You'd better search again, Olidija urged. I believe there must be more of it. If there be, bring it all out, and give this old relative Liu a couple of rows. Should there be any red-blue, I'll make a curtain to hang up. What remains can be matched with some lining and cut into a few double waistcoats for the wedding maids to wear. It would be sheer waste to keep these things, as they will be spoiled by the damp. Lady Feng vehemently acquiesced, after which she told a servant to take the gauze away. These rooms are so small, Dowager Lady Jia then observed, smiling. We had better go elsewhere for a stroll. Everyone says, Oh goody Liu put in, that big people live in big houses. When I saw yesterday your main apartments, Dowager Lady, with all those large boxes, immense presses, big tables, and spacious beds to match, they did, indeed, present an imposing sight. Those presses are larger than our whole house. Yeah, loftier, too. But strange to say there were ladders in the back court. They don't also, I thought, go up to the house tops to sun things. So what can they keep those ladders in readiness for? Well, after that, I remembered that they must be required for opening the presses to take out or put in things. And that without those ladders, how could one ever reach that height? But now that I've also seen these small rooms, more luxuriously got up than the large ones, and full of various articles, also fascinating and hardly even known to me by name. I feel, the more I feast my eyes on them, the more unable to tear myself away from them. There are other things still better than this, Lady Feng added. I'll take you to see them all. Saying this, they straightway left the Xiaoshan Lodge. From a distance, they spied a whole crowd of people punting the boats in the lake. As they've got the boats ready, Holy Dija proposed, we may as well go and have a row in them. As she uttered this suggestion, they wended their steps along the particularly covered bank of the Purple Lily Isle. But before reaching the lake, they perceived several matrons advancing that way with large multi-colored boxes in their hands, made all alike of twisted wire and inlaid with gold. Lady Feng hastened to inquire of Madame Wang where breakfast was to be served. Ask our venerable senior, Madame Wang replied, and let them lay it whatever she pleases. Oli Dija overheard her answer, and turning her head round, Miss Tertia, she said, take the servants and make them lay breakfast wherever you think best. 
will get into the boat from here. Upon catching her senior's wishes, Lady Feng retraced her footsteps and accompanied by Li Wen, Tan Chun, Yuan Yang, and Wu Po. She led off the servants, carrying the eatables and other domestics, and came by the nearest way to the Qiushang Library, where they arranged the tables in the Xiao Tui Hall. We daily say that whenever the gentlemen outside have anything to drink or eat, they invariably have someone who can raise a laugh and whom they can chaff for fun's sake. Yuan Yang smiled. So let's also today get a female family companion. Li Wen, being a person full of kindly feelings, did not fathom the insinuation, though it did not escape her ear. Lady Feng, however, thoroughly understood that she alluded to O Goody Liu. Let us too, today, she smilingly remarked, chaff her for a bit of fun. These two then began to mature their plans. Li Wen chided them with a smile. You people, she said, don't know even how to perform the least good act. But you are not small children anymore. And are you still up to these pranks? Mine, our venerable ancestor might call you to task. That has nothing whatever to do with you, senior lady. Yuan Yang laughed. It's my own look out. These words were still on her lips when she saw Daoja Lady Jia and the rest of the company arrive. They each sat where and how they pleased. First and foremost, a waiting maid brought two trays of tea. After tea, Lady Feng laid hold of a napkin made of foreign cloth, in which were wrapped a handful of black wood chopsticks encircled with three rings of inlaid silver and distributed them on the tables in the order in which they were placed. Bring the small hardwood table over, Holy Dija then exclaimed, and let our relative Liu sit next to me here. No sooner did the servants hear her order than they hurried to move the table to where she wanted it. Lady Feng during this interval made a sign with her eye to Yang Yang Yuan Yang there and then dragged Goody Liu out of the hall and began to impress in a low tone of voice various things on her mind. This is the custom which prevails in our household, she proceeded, and if you disregard it, we'll have a laugh at your expense. Having arranged everything she had in view, they at length returned to their places. Mrs. She had come over after her meal, so she simply seated herself on one side and sipped her tea. Daoja Lady Jia with Bao Yu, Xiang Yun, Da Yu, and Bao Chai sat at one table. Madame Wang took the girls, Ying Chun, and her sisters, and occupied one table. O Guti Liu took a seat at the table next to Daoja Lady Jia. Heretofore, while their old mistress had her repast, a young servant maid usually stood by her to hold a finger bowl, yak brush, napkin, and other such necessaries. But Yuan Yang did not of late fulfill any of these duties. So when on this occasion she deliberately seized the yak brush and came over and flapped it about, the servant girls concluded that she was spent upon playing some tricks upon Goody Liu, and they readily withdrew and let her have her way. While Yuan Yang attended to her self-imposed duties, she winked at the old dame. Miss Kuti Liu exclaimed, Set your mind at ease. 
with Liu sat down at the table and took up the chopsticks. But so heavy and clumsy did she find them that she could not handle them conveniently. The fact is that Lady Feng and Yuan Yang had put their heads together and decided to only assign to Goody Liu a pair of antiquated four-cornered ivory chopsticks inlaid with gold. These faults, shouted Goody Liu, after scrutinizing them, are heavier than the very iron lever over at my place. However can I move them about? This remark had the effect of making everyone explode into a fit of laughter. But a married woman standing in the center of the room, with a box in her hands, attracted their gaze. A waiting maid went up to her and removed the cover of the box. Its contents were two bowls of eatables. Li Wen took one of these and placed it on Daoja Lady Jia's table, while Lady Feng chose the bowl with pigeon's eggs and put it on Goody Liu's table. Please commence, Daoja Lady Jia uttered from the near side, where she sat. Goody Liu at this speedily sprung to her feet. Oh Liu, oh Liu, she roared with a loud voice. Your eating capacity is as big as that of a buffalo. You've got like an old sow and can't raise your head up. Then puffing out her cheeks, she added not a word. The whole party was at first taken quite aback. But as soon as they heard the drift of her remarks, everyone, both high as well as low, began to laugh boisterously. Xiang Yun found it so difficult to restrain herself that she spurted out the tea she had in her mouth. Lin Dayu indulged in such laughter that she was quite out of breath, and, propping herself up on the table, she kept on ejaculating, Ayo! Bao Yu rode into his grandmother's lap. The old lady herself was so amused that she clasped Bao Yu in her embrace and gave way to enduring epithets. Madame Wang laughed and pointed at Lady Feng with her finger, but as for saying a word, she could not. Mrs. Sher had much difficulty in curbing her mirth, and she sputtered the tea with which her mouth was full all over Tan Chun's petticoat. Tan Chun threw the contents of the teacup she held in her hand over Ying Chun, while Si Chun quitted her seat and, pulling her nurse away, bade her rub her stomach for her. Below, among the lower seats, there was not one who was not with bent waist and doubled up back. Some retired to a corner and, squatting down, laughed away. Others suppressed their laughter and came up and changed the clothes of their young mistresses. Lady Feng and Yuan Yang were the only ones who kept their countenance. Still, they continued helping old Goody Liu to food. Old Goody Liu took up the chopsticks. Even the chickens in this place are fine, she went on to add, pretending she did not hear what was going on. The eggs they lay are small, but so dainty. How very pretty they are. Let me help myself to one. The company has just managed to check themselves, but the moment these words fell on their ears, they started again with their laughter. Olivia Jia laughed to such an extent that tears streamed from her eyes, and so little could she bear the strain any longer that Hu Po stood behind her and petted her. This must be the work of that vixen phone. 
old lady Jia laughed. She has ever been up to tricks like a very imp. So be quick and disbelieve all her yarns. Goody Liu was in the act of praising the eggs as small yet dainty when Lady Feng interposed with a smile. They're one tail each. Be quick and taste them, she said. They're not nice when they get cold. Goody Liu forthwith stretched out the chopsticks with the intent of catching one, but how could she manage to do so? They rode and rode in the bowl for ever so long, and it was only after extreme difficulty that she succeeded in shoving one up. Extending her neck forward, she was about to put it in her mouth when it slipped down again and rolled on to the floor. She hastily banged down the chopsticks and was going herself to pick it up when a servant who stood below got hold of it and took it out of the room. Ugudiliu heaved a sigh. A tail, she soliloquized, and here it goes without a sound. Everyone had long ago abandoned all idea of eating, and gazing at her, they enjoyed the fun. Who has now brought out these chopsticks again? Holy Zhao went on to ask. We haven't invited any strangers or spread any large banquet. It must be that vixen Feng who gave them out. But don't you yet change them? The servants standing on the floor below had indeed had no hand in getting those ivory chopsticks. They had, in fact, been brought by Lady Feng and Yuan Yang. But when they heard these remarks, they hurried to put them away and to change them for a pair similar to those used by the others, made of black wood inlaid with silver. They have taken away the gold ones, Okuti Liu shouted, and here come silver ones. But after all, they are not as handy as those we use. Should there be any poison in the viands, Lady Fong observed, you can detect it as soon as this silver is dipped into them. If there is poison in such viands as these, Ogudi Liu added, why those of ours must be all arsenic. But though it be the death of me, I'll swallow every morsel. Seeing how amusing the old woman was, and with what relish she devoured her food, Aujalidija took her own dishes and passed them over to her. She then likewise bade an old matron take various viands and put them in a bowl for Peng her. But presently the repast was concluded, and old lady Jia and all the other inmates adjoined into Tan Chen's bedroom for a chat. The remnants were, meanwhile, cleared away, and fresh tables were laid. End of section 30